I started realizing that the truth of God's word would set me free and that obedience to it would keep me free. And that's what you have to remember as a Christian. When the Lord Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, he means it because it's what's best for us. And I started realizing that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I memorized Romans 12 too, that we're not supposed to be conformed to this world any longer, but be, what, transformed by the renewing of our, yes, so that we may be able to prove what's the perfect and acceptable will of God. Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. In this continued live message through personal testimony, Victor shares the hard consequences of not letting God have full reign over our hearts in order to restore our soul. We are either fully surrendered or not at all. It brings us to the bigger question, is the Lord your shepherd? Will you trust in his redemptive power over your life? More on this in today's message with Victor Marks. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the dead. What? The valley of the shadow of death. It's just a shadow. I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Now if you back up in verse 2, sometimes the Lord makes us lie down. Sometimes he has to slow us down because we're so busy. I mean, is our, are we in easier times now or harder times? How many of you remember when there wasn't even a fax machine? Now we got cell phones, we got microwaves, we got drive throughs I mean, we get impatient at drive throughs <laughs> The Lord sometimes just says, slow down. Because some of us need... Our soul restored. And let me tell you what. You can come and you become a Christian. And then you take that same mentality that you did in the world. And you start being driven. And you get in the church. And you bring it in the church. You're driven. And you're, you're success oriented. And got to accomplish. And got to do. When the Lord's saying, wait, 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 wait. In the world, the devil drives you. But your good shepherd leads you. There's a big difference, my friend. Leading versus being driven. And sometimes we don't stop long enough for the Lord to restore our soul from all the damage that the world caused. And he says, just hold still. I want to do a work. He did it to me. You see, my father was a drug dealer and a pimp. You didn't see that coming, did you? My mom, lover. But she liked getting married. And she ended up marrying six times. I went to 14 schools, lived in 17 different houses. And we had religion. I was born Catholic, raised Baptist, became Pentecostal. We hit the charismatic movement. I tell people I carried a rabbit's foot. I mean, I wanted to cover it all. When my mom conceived me with my dad, my biological dad, that night, he shoved rosary beads down her throat and put a pistol up to her head and threatened to kill her. 
And then later when she found out she was pregnant, she told him. And he said, that ain't my kid. And he didn't claim me. When I was five years old playing in the country down in Mississippi, in a hot summer, I was in shorts, barefoot, and a little thing. And this guy said, hey, I want to show you something. In between two chicken houses, there was a little building where they separated the eggs and the chickens. And, and I followed him. He said, come here. He was all nice. And we walked in that little building. And I know we weren't supposed to go in that building. But he was a big person. So I followed him. Once we did, he shut and locked the door. He was a child molester. And he went to try to molest and assault me as a kid. And then he realized I was not going to shut up. And he tried to kill me. There was a commercial cooler in the corner, and he drug me, and he put me in there. He forced me in there and locked me in there. All I could hear was the cooler going, that fan blowing the cold air in. I beat on the door. Nobody came. I pulled my knees into my chest, and I passed out from it being so cold. When my family, when I didn't come home, they started looking for me. They looked in the woods and down by the pond. They thought maybe I got bit by a snake or something. And one of the last places they come was to that building. They opened it up. And thank goodness, they walked over to the cooler. They unlocked it and opened it up, and there I was. I was passed out. My family, they rushed me. Um, they actually just rushed me to the house because we were poor. Anybody relate to that? They don't take you to the hospital. There wasn't no urgent care back then. They rushed me to the house. The sun was going down, but there's a little left, and they wrapped me in a blanket, and they put me on a chair on the porch, and they leaned me toward the sun. They're like, okay, just... The boy is frozen. He got to thaw out now. Just <laughs> He got to thaw out. <laughs> and then when I was able to come to my senses, I told them what happened. They went and found that old boy. They beat him inside his own house in front of his family. That's what they call country justice. Then hog tied him, hooked him behind a tractor, and drug him behind my mamma's house, threw a rope over a big pecan tree limb, and they hung him. Now, they didn't kill him. They waited for him to go limp, and they cut him down, and they let him be. And yet Jesus died on a tree for him. I don't get it, but it's the truth. Jesus died for the child molesters. He died for the rapists. He died for the drug pushers. He died for the spouse abusers. A lot of people don't get saved because they think God could never forgive me for what I've done. And I'm here to tell you that the cross was enough for it all or not at all. But you can't pick and choose, my friend. And if you believe the lie of the devil, he'll keep you from what God has for you, which is salvation. Well, as I grew up, I wish I could say it got better. It didn't. I had a stepfather who was very abusive. My mother married him. And my mother had emotional issues because of her childhood. They called it multiple personality. So she would come in and out under great stress. But that leave us kids in harm's way. And this man, I've been tied to a bed. I've been shocked. I've been dunked in a tub till I was passed out. And he would do all this and reinforce it with fear. Fear. That caused great insecurity in me. He would tell me, if you ever tell anybody, I will kill you. And if I'm not around, I'll have somebody else kill you. He reinforced that fear by bringing me to a grocery market one night. And we're walking through there. And he said, boy, look at me. Every person that looks at you in the eyes, they work for me. And they will kill you if you ever tell what I've done. 
every aisle that we went on, anybody that looked at me in my eyes, including the stalker, putting cans up, looked at me. I looked at my stepfather. He said, the grandma with gray hair in another aisle, hello. I look at him like, not her. Yeah, the checkout lady. This would affect me, even into my adulthood. They call it acute post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you understand? And it got next to me. And I thought I could hide and run and be successful and do all that type of stuff. And it's just like I heard said, people would admire you for your success, but they relate to you because of your pain. And I wasn't willing to deal with my pain till I was in my 30s and had been walking with the Lord. I was saved. I'd seen him do great things, but I wasn't willing to go back and let him restore my soul. I call it soul surgery. That's the uncomfortable part right there. Because right about now, some of you, the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, I love you. You can smell that anesthesia. Wait a minute, Lord, no, no, no. But I can tell you, you can trust God to do a work in your soul. Because your relationship with him is built on love. He is a loving heavenly father that cares for you. And he would never take you back or work you through anything to hurt you. But it's really to see you set free. Well, I kind of got through that childhood and was messed up. And when I was a teenager, y'all age, I was so insecure. And which makes a person in bondage. I said that, right? That uh, I forgot to tell you, when I was uh, born, I, had, I was born with a birth defect, a concave chest. It was extreme. A person could grab me from the side, and the only thing that would stop their fingers touching in the center of my chest was my spinal cord. So I was a freak as a kid growing up. Even in PE, they used to do the shirts and the skins. Do they do that anymore? I think it's politically incorrect. But back then, it was like, okay, half of you take your shirts off, you're going to play basketball. Have you uh, keep it on? And I'd be like, oh, please, make me a shirt. Don't, I don't know. When I had to take my shirt off, people would just go, <laughs> you freaky boy. Yeah, that's me. I'd tell kids, yeah, I got hit by a cannon. That was the same year that I found out by my new stepfather. I stood up against him because I got mad. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you reach that year, like you, I'm a man now. I set up against my stepfather, and he said, really? And he saw kind of had a crazy look in my He said, it's time for you to learn something. He went in his bedroom, opened a briefcase underneath his bed, laid out a newspaper clip, and he said, you better read this first before you ever get in my face again. And I read it. It was a man handcuffed in front of a judge with a ponytail. This guy was a biker, gone into a bar, got in a fight, pulled out a pistol, and shot two men and killed one of them. I finished reading the article. It was my stepdad. I said, that's you? You killed a man? And I finished reading. They sent us him to Chino Prison. He said, that's me. I said, you went to prison for murder? He said, yeah. I was like, I'm going to go mow the lawn or something right now. I don't want to stand up against you. I told my mom, mom, you murder, murderer. She said, I know that. Just don't tell anybody. The secrets kids have to keep is not right. No secrets to follow you into your adulthood. And I tell people keeping stuff down, it's like holding a beach ball underwater. You can do it, but it's very hard. You press and, and then boy, when the right wave comes up, that thing will pop up. Stresses in life, changes, all kind of stuff. And when it pops up, you got to jump back on it and push it down. You know how much energy it takes to do that? 
And some people, they get more busy and more, and, and they're smoke screening and camouflaging and, and they're still holding that ball down when the Lord's saying, let it up so I can pop it. And it'll never bother you again. But you're like, no, 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 Lord, no, Lord, no. And he's saying, don't say no, Lord, it's a paradox. It's yes, Lord. You can trust him. Well, people say, if your parents were messed up, what about your grandparents? One of my grandfathers died in a mental hospital. I know about mental illness. I was under psychiatric care because of the trauma. I had 123 visits in nine months. I've been on Depakote, Depakine, Prozac, Zoloft, Lithium. I was drinking. I started drugs in the sixth grade. I didn't do them to be cool. I did them because I hurt and I didn't want to remember. Say amen, somebody. We call that self-medicating. And Christians still do it. It may be by prescription pad. When the Lord says, that second best, I got something better for you. But, Lord, Lord, mother, grandfather, Lafayette, Louisiana, called his common-law wife cheating on him. He walked up to her in a public place, pulled out a pistol and shot her in her head. Then he put the gun in his mouth and killed himself. That's my family. That is my background. I found an organization to take me in right out of high school. They gave me a place to stay, food to eat, and a bed to sleep in, and an M16A1. It was the United States Marine Corps. Uh, uh, you can always smell old Marines. Now listen, can't get that camouflage green out of us. Now, I had that weapon. I was like, can I shoot people? They're like, yeah, the ones we tell you. They're like, boy, you got some issues, don't you? Yes, yeah, sir. They're like, well, come on in. And that was back when the Corps needed people. But I'm going to tell you something. I would fight. I would shoot. That weapon was a way for me to get my anger out. From 546 yards in a prone position or five and a half football field lengths, I could put 10 rounds in able target of a man. I became a competitive shooter for the Marine Corps and an instructor and all that type of stuff. And, and still, I was empty. I chased women. I did all that type of stuff. I did everything the world says you have to do to be a man. And yet, I was empty. And I didn't have a dad to show me the way I should go. If I did, I would have made some different decisions, I guarantee you. Well, six months before I got out the Marine Corps, I got a letter. This letter. I kept it. It It's from my biological dad. And I've kept this letter. It was in March of 1986. In this letter, my biological dad started taking responsibility. The last I'd heard of him, he was a practicing warlock. What do you do with that? He was dressed in black with charms, casting spells on people. I thought, I'm going to bring him to school. I thought, what? And he read this letter, and in his own way, he was apologizing, and he said, look, something has happened to me. In his exact words, I flipped my lid for Jesus Christ. He got saved. That's a miracle. That's worth clapping. And sometimes we Christians, we don't get excited enough when somebody gets saved. We're like, bless God, they're going to fall. It's like we should be excited when God touches somebody. And, and he invited me to go to church. He said, take leave of absence, come out and visit me. So I did. I was like, and it was uncomfortable because, you know, he wanted to be the dad. I was like, well, I'm not ready for a dad. You know, be my friend. We'll try that. But he invited me to go to church. And I was like, I don't go to church. A bunch of, ain't no men go there bunch of wimpy guys 
you know, yes, honey. And they go to church and he said, just come on. And he invited me to go to some Baptocostal church, you know, on a Sunday night, just like this. And I went and I heard these people talk about the Lord and the singing got me. Because I said, wow, these, and my dad had some of his fighters because he trained fighters. I call them knuckle draggers. They were up there and they were raising their hands to the Lord. And I said, whoa, <laughs> they're really into this. And I said, wow. Um, and when that old man talked about the cross and that Jesus loved me and he died for me and all I had to do was give him my sin and shame and all that stuff and I'd have eternal life, I said, that sounds pretty good to me. And they gave an altar call and I came forward. Actually, I ran forward. And uh, I fell at that altar and I, I started weeping. I tell people my eyes started leaking. And I thought, why are you crying? You are a Marine. You got a tattoo. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said, I don't know. But it feels good. Because God started working from the inside out. And you know what? I thank God when you become a Christian, it's not about perfection, but it's about the direction of your life. And you know what? God did a work in my life. And when I met my wife, guess who was my best man in my wedding? My dad. My dad. And it restored. God restored a relationship with me and my dad. If I may, I'd like to close with one more little story. I started realizing that the truth of God's word would set me free. And that obedience to it would keep me free. And that's what you have to remember as a Christian. When the Lord Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He means it. Because it's what's best for us. And I started realizing that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I memorized Romans 12 too. That we're not supposed to be conformed to this world any longer. But be, what, transformed by the renewing of our Yes, so that we may be able to prove what's the perfect and acceptable will of God. Young person, what you need more than anything in your life is to know the will of God. Not your will, your way. That's crazy. This world is a minefield. It's a battleground. You need to know God's will and way for you. Well, I realized I was more than a conqueror. And when God said, you can do all things through me who strengthens you, I believed him. And here's the last story I'll tell you. I was traveling. I had just started speaking. And I was down in Mississippi. And I was, I spoke at a little bitty old church in the town where we were raised. And the Lord led me. He said, go to that house where you used to live. I said, Lord, oh my goodness. He said, we got to bring closure. So I went to that house. I went and found it. I drove up to the house, drove up the driveway. I knocked on the door. And this older lady came, sweet older lady. She opened the door. I said, ma'am, I know this may sound weird, but I used to live here. She said, you did? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, it's been a long time. She said, who is your daddy? And I told her his name. She said, I bought this home from him. She said, that was over 30 years ago. And I said, yeah. And she looked at me and said, bad things happened in the house, didn't it? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I know y'all left fast because we did. We had to crawl out of a window one night to escape. 
a raging stepfather who was drunk with a pistol shooting lights out around the house. And she said, when things were moved out by him and he sold his house to me, there was a box of pictures left in the closet. And I found a picture of your family, you kids. She said, I kept it. And I prayed for y'all. I said, that little blonde-headed kid, that's me. And I started to weep right there. And she started crying. And you know what? God kept her alive to show her that her prayers, the fervent prayers of the righteous, availeth much. And let me say something to our gray hairs. Or for some of you, no hairs. You may be pastor or prime in the world or the workplace and all that type of stuff, but you're not past your prime spiritually. You should be getting lethal and stronger and better in the world of intercessory prayer. And she was able to see it. I told her, ma'am, I got saved. I became a Christian and, and God brought me here. And she let me walk in the house and see that window where we escaped. And we gave thanks to God right in that place to say, shame on you, devil, you lost, and God won. What the devil meant for bad, John 10, 10, God turned, he redeemed for his glory and his good. The Lord asked me for one more thing, and I thought, this is going no way, but he said, go find your stepfather. And my stepfather had been incarcerated after all the nonsense, put in prison, and he escaped prison. He was on the NBC Nightly News with Tom Brokaw, for some of y'all remember him. And you know what? When he turned himself back in and did his prison time, he got out. And he wasn't far from them. On that same trip, I went and found him. And to make a long story longer, he was sick. And he tried to intimidate me, but we put him in a blanket. And I carried him to the VA hospital. And I was there when the doctor came in and said, he has probably two weeks to live. And here's this man who abused me and tortured me as a child. And got in my head. And now I'm standing over him. A Marine, a black belt, and uh, the Lord touched my heart. He said, you forgive him. You love him. I said, I cannot, Lord, not him. He said, well, let my love flow through you. It's called agape. I said, all right, Lord, you don't have to do this. And he did. He started changing my heart. And I told my stepfather, laying in that bed, I said, you know you're dying, and you don't have long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you probably going to hell, which is a very real place. I said, can I read the promises of Scripture for salvation? Because that's the only chance you have is Jesus Christ. And he said, you can if you want. And I started reading the truth of God's word, which is just nothing greater. It's the word of God. And he didn't respond. He didn't respond. He didn't respond. The last night before I'd see him, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Awoke by the Lord. I got out the bed on my knees and I started praying for him to get saved. And then I started weeping. I mean, crying. Sound a little bit more macho. And I cried for that man. And I didn't know how, I didn't know how I could be doing it, but God was touching me. I went in the hospital the next day. He had a new nurse. He said, hey, nurse, this is my boy. He's my son. He said, I'm proud of him. He became a preacher man. I thought, whoa, I can't believe he just said that. And then he looked at her. He said, he's been worried about my eternity, but he didn't have to worry no more. He said, I made it right with God last night. 
She walked out of the room backwards. It was such a holy moment. And I said, Lord, what do I do or say? He said, tell him you love him. I looked down and said, Dad, I love you. And he looked at me for the first time ever in my life. He said, boy, I love you too. Only God. And with God, all things are possible. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.